All right, yeah, that's how we start church, everybody. That's awesome. Yes. Welcome all you here, everybody who made it in here, everybody who is watching online. Good morning to you, wherever you are joining us from. Uh, we are just so glad that you are here taking this time uh, to come and, and celebrate with us uh, Jesus and uh, to, to just give God uh, the glory that he deserves. Uh, and so, hey, let's just get to it. Uh, if you have your Bibles, we have a lot to cover today. Go ahead and grab those and, and get them open to Matthew, book of Matthew, chapter 24. Well, as you saw from the video, as you're getting there to Matthew 24, this is what we've built it, been building up to all year long. Uh, if you're new, we've been going through God's story from beginning to end uh, since January, and today we are at the end. We're at the end. We're going to talk about today the end of the world. We're going to talk about uh, how when all, everything is going to go down, when it all hits the fan, and when Jesus comes back. That's what we're going to talk about, everybody. So buckle up, get ready. If this is your first week here, welcome. We're glad you're here, okay? And so just keep coming back, all right? But uh, it's, I'm really, I, I really am looking forward to the message today because, because here's the deal, everybody. With, with talking about the end times and the end of the world, here's what I believe. I really believe this. I believe that, that people really want to know right now. I, I really do. I think people are thinking about this. I really do because, and I think you're thinking about this wherever you are with God in the journey that you are in with him. I think you're thinking about this the same way I am because you're watching and you're seeing the same things that I'm watching and seeing. That we've been seeing the chaos that's going on uh, over Gaza with, with Israel and Hamas. We've been seeing that. We've been seeing natural disasters happening. We've been seeing the devastation going around. We, we see the reality of, of more and more population with less and less uh, natural resources. And so, it, it, listen, I'm just telling you, it makes sense that people are wondering about this topic. And so here's what we're gonna do today uh, and over the next couple of weeks. We're gonna talk about what happens at the end. What does the Bible say about the end of the world? Well, here, here's where I'm gonna start before we get into Matthew, what Jesus says. I'll start by saying the Bible says a lot. The Bible says a lot about this. It talks a lot about where the last days and, and what are gonna ha what's gonna happen when Jesus comes back. If you didn't know, he said he was coming back and he's gonna wipe away everything wrong. He's gonna restore everything right. Heaven's gonna come down on earth. He's gonna destroy Satan. He's gonna reign forever. It's gonna be awesome. Uh, but as I looked, here's what I found with that, uh, I found that just in the New Testament, all right, I'm not talking about the old, just the New Testament, there are over 300 references in the New Testament about the return of Jesus. Uh, in the New Testament, there are 27 books in the New Testament, and 23 of the 27 has something in them about the last days and the return of Jesus. And in fact, we're gonna talk about this next week. One entire book uh, is dedicated to that, the book of Revelation, uh, and that's gonna talk about how all this stuff unfolds and happens so we're gonna get into that next week with the book of Revelation. So, so there's a lot of information uh, in the Bible about this and I'm not gonna be able to cover everything today, but here's what I'm hoping that we get to today. I'm hoping that we can get a very clear picture of a few things. And so let's get to it. Are we in the last days? What are the signs? Where are we uh, in the doomsday clock and all that stuff? So, so to start, I'm just gonna look at what Jesus has to say about this, okay? Because when it, here's what I want us to start with, because when it comes to the end times, uh, this isn't a new thing. This is not a new question. In fact, the question came up very, very early on with Jesus and his disciples. They were around Jesus one day and the disciples came up to ask him this. This is in Matthew 24. And here's what they said. They, it says, later Jesus sat on the Mount of Olives and his disciples came came to him and said, hey, tell us when all this will happen. What will signal your return and the end of the world? 
And so, so they want to know. They want to know. They want to know the what, and they want to know the when. They want to know all these signs that are going to be happening. And so Jesus goes on to tell them some of the things that's going to happen, some of these signs to look at and to follow you. So let's just see what Jesus says. We're going to pick this up in verse uh, 5, and here's what he says. He says, uh, go back. I think go back one. He says, uh, for, or wait, maybe that was it. Okay, go ahead, sorry. For many, they know what they're doing. For many will come in my name, claiming, this is what he's saying, I am the Messiah. They will deceive many. And you'll hear of wars and threats of wars, but don't panic. Yes, these things must take place, but the end won't follow immediately. Nation will go to war against nation and kingdom against kingdom. There will be famines and earthquakes in many parts of the world, but all this is only the first of the birth pains with more to come. Okay, so, so in here, Jesus gives us a couple signs of things that are gonna happen to, to start the end of the world. But then what I think is more fascinating is he actually clues us in on how to read these signs that we're gonna get into this morning. And that we look at it kind of like we look at pregnancy. Did you notice that? That's what he's saying. So, so for us, like today, even today, like unless you have a scheduled delivery, uh, when you're pregnant, you, you kind of know, but you don't really know when it's exactly gonna happen. You know what I'm saying? You don't know the time when the baby's gonna come. Actually, I'll never forget uh, the, when Courtney went into labor with our first. I, I figure she'll never forget either. You know what I'm saying? But I remember we were in the middle of a restaurant getting ready to order lunch and it just happened and the waitress came and she was like, what will you be having? And I was like, I guess we'll be having a boy with a side of bacon, you know? And that's a true story. We were like, we got to get out of here. And so we had to roll. And uh, so, you know, I tipped well. But anyways, and so we just, so it's weird because we knew, but it was still kind of a shock when it actually happened. And so Jesus is kind of saying that this is the same way. It could be any minute, but we don't know. And and so with these signs, he's saying it's just like that, that it's going to be like when you're in the ninth month, the beginning of the end. And here's what I'm going to tell you. I don't know when this is. No one knows when this is, but, but I do think, here's what I'm gonna tell you. With what I looked at this week and what I've studied in my walk with Jesus uh, for these 20-some years of being a Christian, I will tell you this. I'm pretty compelled to tell you we're closer to the ninth month than we are the first couple months, everybody. I'm just here to tell you that. We're gonna look at some of these things. And so how close are we? Because I'm gonna tell you, I feel like we're close. Well, well Jesus helps us there too. He helps us with, with us understanding that. So if you drop down, all the way to the bottom here of verse 36, here's what he says with all the stuff that he addressed. He goes, however, he said, listen, no one knows the day or hour when these things are happening, not even the angels in heaven or the son himself, only the father knows. So, so Jesus says, listen, even I don't know. I don't even know when I'm coming back. Uh, and so there's, here's what I'm gonna say. There's no clear thing that's gonna be that thing that's gonna prompt Jesus to come back and wipe out sin uh, and, and bring heaven down to earth that we're gonna see and we're gonna know right away when that happens. But here's what I'm gonna tell you. He does tell us to be ready. That's what he does tell us. And he does give us and clue us in on some of these signs that we're gonna look at that I think are very important as far as what marks the beginning of the end. So, so let's look at the signs. If you have your notes, go ahead and grab those, get those out. Uh, and, and when we're going to look at the signs in the Old Testament and the New Testament, as I studied this, there are actually a couple dozen 
signs that are in the Bible. And so we're gonna break these down. But here's the way I looked at it as I studied. I didn't find this anywhere or anything like that. This is kind of how I did it. I came to kind of, as I looked at all of these, I kind of made groups. I, I actually put these signs in four big groups. And so that's how we're gonna look at it today. I think it makes the most sense for me to do it. So we're gonna look at the groups and then the signs that are associated with each group. Uh, and then here's what we're gonna do. We're gonna look at what, what I believe is probably the clearest direction in the entire Bible because we're gonna come to a place in the Bible that literally says, the end of the world is coming, here's what you do. Okay, so we'll look at what we actually do with these signs. Okay, so let's go, let's get to, to the first sign. We're gonna look at these first types of signs and, and it's kind of what we already covered. If you wanna write this one down, the first group uh, is gonna, that we're gonna go through some major material devastation. That's the first group of signs. And Jesus kind of already clued us in on those things. That he's, This is what he talked about. He said, he talked about in, in the Old Testament, you can see some of these things as well. The three major things are gonna happen. There's gonna be wars, there's gonna be famine, and there are gonna be earthquakes, okay? And, and here's the deal with this one. Here's the deal with this. Jesus was not specific to which nations it would be, who it would be, or, or which earthquakes or famines that it would be. Although I will tell you that in the Old Testament, there are a few things that Daniel talks about that you can kind of pinpoint a time and a place and Alexander the Great and these things that are, you can kind of read that and see it. But, but Jesus wasn't specific. And so in this one, here's what I want to tell you. I want, there, there's some stuff that we have to admit on this one, and it's this, is that uh, there isn't a generation from Jesus on that can't say they didn't see these things happen. You know what I'm saying? Like, there isn't a, so they could all say, yeah, I saw these things come to pass. But, but I will tell you this, we're also included in that as well, that we could look at what Jesus said and say, yeah, I, I, we've seen these things come to pass. And so it includes us. So can we check the boxes on this one? I can say, yeah, we could check the boxes that these things came to be. So again, Jesus is cluing us in on the fact that it's close, that it's close. So first one is major uh, devastation, material devastation. Here's the second one uh, that we're gonna look at, which is the, the moral decline. That's the second group of signs. So there will be, when the end times start, an increase in wickedness is the way that Jesus said it. And, and I'm gonna tell you, everybody, if you think it's bad, it's gonna get really bad. It's gonna get really bad. And, and, and here's the kicker with this one. As you read what the Bible says about these things with the moral decay and moral decline in the end days, here's what's gonna happen. If you don't think it's gonna happen, it is. What's gonna happen is the world with this moral decline is gonna expect the church to follow. Tell me that's not happening already, everybody. The world's gonna expect us to get on board with what the moral decline is in the culture. And here's what I'm gonna tell you, when we don't get on board with that, when we say, no, that's not what we can agree to, then persecution will follow. And so here's what Paul has to say about it. If you wanna write that somewhere, 2 Timothy 3, uh, he actually says that when, when this happens, he gives us 19 descriptions of the moral decline and moral decay that's gonna happen. So here's what he says in 2 Timothy 3. He says, but understand this, that in the last days, there it is, there will come times of difficulty for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness, but denying its power. And so, so what it's saying is that people, here's what he's saying, people are gonna love everything but God. 
They're gonna fall in love with everything except for God and they will actually end up denying the power of God altogether. Actually, in one of Peter's letters, Peter writes about this too. He actually says that people will just start, they'll start looking around and they'll just kind of follow their own desires. They'll say, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna follow what, what I think is right, what I want to do. And, and they'll just live the way that they want to. And, and here's what I would, like again, I don't wanna be, I'm not a doomsday kind of guy, but, but what we just read everybody, that's happening. That, that's going on right now. And it's even going on in the church. It's even going on in the church. Like right now, right now, in, in the days that we're in, churches are feeling the pressure of, of the conflict between God's order of things and the culture around us. We are, we're feeling that pressure. And, and what's happening, unfortunately, are, are there are churches who are embracing this idea of, of okay, well, I mean, uh, it's not really hurting anybody and, and it's your business and, and then it's okay if it's your business and hey, God loves you and you're fine. And gang, that's called something. What that's called is moral relativism. It's called moral relativism. Here's the idea behind moral relativism. It's the idea that right and wrong is based on how culture defines morality instead of how God defines it. And that's what's happening even in churches today. And here's what happens when that goes on. See, when that happens, then all of a sudden the Bible becomes this secondary thing that serves us instead of us serving a holy God and what his word and truth says. And that's what's happening today. And so people aren't embracing the truth of God as much as they're embracing their idea of God and, and how that fits their lifestyle or their comfort level. And gang, I'm telling you, that's what's happening right now. It's what's happening. Look what Jesus says about it. So he says, when that happens... Here's, what, here's what's gonna happen to believers who stand in their faith. He's gonna say, then you're gonna be handed over to be persecuted and further than that, put to death. And you will be hated by all nations because of me. At that time, many will turn from the faith and will betray and hate each other. And so what he's saying is that, here's what he's saying. That when this comes, that just for your faith, you will be hated, you will be canceled, you will be mocked. And so then as a result, and he just said it, this is the sobering news, everybody. Some of us, some of us just won't be able to handle it. Some of us are just not gonna be because we're too tied to not wanting to be disliked. And what he says is many will turn away from the faith. That's what he says. Many are, because we just can't handle it. I don't, I don't wanna be disliked by the culture around me. And I mean, right now, here's what I'm gonna tell you right now. And you, you know this as well as I do. There are lines drawn right now in our culture. There are lines drawn with the lordship of Christ, that Jesus is the only way. There are lines drawn, like that's not that, that's so exclusive, right? There are lines drawn with human sexuality. There are lines drawn with gender that if we don't agree with this stuff, then we're seen as intolerant. And, and here's what I'll tell you, just by simply holding the value of staying sexually pure, that's now controversial. It is in our culture, it's now controversial. We're seen and we're mocked by saying stay sexually pure. Just by actually uh, agreeing to and, and agreeing with God's design of the nuclear family, that's now controversial. Just think about that, think about that. And, and, now, and nowadays, like with the vitriol, with the vent, like we can't even disagree anymore. Like we can't just say agree to disagree. They don't disagree with you. Uh, they'll blow you up. They'll, you'll get labeled. And, and we, we have that in our culture right now, okay? So, so there will be a drastic decline in, in morality and a downgrading of God's truth and purity and holiness, okay? So those are the first two sides. Uh, now I'm gonna, I'm gonna tell you something right now. So in these notes, I, I usually look at these and here's what's funny, because right in here, I didn't uh, 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 get this all drawn out. I literally put in here, heaviness break here. 
And then in parentheses, I put weather, Christmas shopping, sports, etc. Uh, just to give us like a, and so I didn't actually flesh that out and I forgot about it this morning. So how about that sports team weather? Christmas is coming. <laughs> that worked, that worked. Okay, that's heavy, that's heavy, that's heavy, but it's there, it's there. I wish I would have fleshed that out a little bit, but I think that kind of gave us a little bit of a, okay, okay, let's breathe, like, it's gonna happen, okay? Now, here's what I will tell you. The next two, this next one, I think is the most interesting, and I'm gonna tell you something. I got down a rabbit hole with this thing, and if you don't have like a day and a half of time to do that, I don't recommend you going to, it's, it's fascinating, but this is the third one. Here's the third uh, group that will, again, speed up the end days. It's increase in technology. Increase in technology. Now, as you're writing that one down, again, I, I, I know that in the surface, like this one seems very generic, right? It seems like, oh, okay, who wouldn't say that? What generation couldn't say that they have an increase in technology compared to the generation below? So I get that, but here's, here's what I'm gonna do, okay? I, get, I got like three days worth of information in like a couple paragraphs, because I'm telling you, I'm, let me give you a few things that will at least point to our generation, right now, our current generation, being able to see things fulfilled that previous generations had no ability to do. It's fascinating, I'm telling you, in the technology for, just for fun, all right, just for fun, okay? So in the book of Daniel, we're gonna go into the Old Testament, so this is hundreds of years before Jesus was born, okay? We're gonna see something that I find really wild. It made the hair stand up on the back of my neck with some of these things. Uh, but Daniel, if you don't know, Daniel's kind of broken up into two parts. The first, it's a book of history, and it's also a book of prophecy, all right, and so in the second half of Daniel, uh, here's what he talks about. He starts to talk about this dream that he has, okay? And it's called the 77s, okay? And here's what he saw. He saw the future in 70 periods of seven years each, all right? So it's a prophecy of a bunch of stuff that was gonna happen that he saw. And it's really interesting to read how biblical scholars have broken this down. I can't get into all of it. It's, it's just, there's a lot of stuff there. Uh, and how they interpreted all these things. Uh, and it's not simple to tie it all in, but here's the thing. There are reputable biblical scholars that do say this. They say that 69 of the 70 have been fulfilled. And so right now we, so now we're, there's only one left. There is the last seven years, which is gonna be talked about in the book of Revelation, which is the tribulation. But, but in that seven, 70th period, Daniel talks about what he saw. So now we're in the very last one that we haven't seen fulfilled yet. And here's what he says in verse one of Daniel 12. So, so the guy says, listen, he's talking to Daniel and he says, then there will be a time of anguish greater than any since nations first came into existence. But at that time, in the end, every one of your people whose name is written in the book, that's the book of life, we'll talk about that next week, Chad's gonna touch on that in Revelation, will be rescued. Many of those whose body lie dead and buried will rise up, some to everlasting life and some to shame and everlasting disgrace. Now, this is where we're gonna get into. Those who are wise will shine as bright as the sky and those who, lead many, those who led many to righteousness will shine like the stars forever. Okay, now here's where we're going with this technology. But you, Daniel, the guy's telling Daniel, okay, keep this prophecy a secret, seal up the book until the time of the end when two things are gonna happen, when many will rush here and there and knowledge will increase. Okay, now, we're gonna be covering most of that next week in the book of Revelation. But what I find interesting here 
are the signs that will happen because he says that in the end, when the end is close, uh, we will, many will rush from here to there and knowledge will increase. I'm gonna take both of these really quick. And so I take many rushing here to there as an increase in technology of traveling. In fact, other, other uh, translations say they, they will quickly travel from, from here, to, from to to fro. Like that's what it says. And so, so again, and, and so think about this. In Daniel's day, think about the amount of distance that could be covered in traveling in Daniel's day uh, to Jesus's day to modern day. Like the, the, the advancement in traveling technology is unbelievable. I actually remember when I was a kid, I remember when I was a kid uh, and people talking about self-driving cars and how ridiculous we said that sounded. Like, we we're like, what are you talking about? We're we gonna be at Mars doing that, you know what I'm saying? And now there is a commercial, uh, I know you've seen it, it's the most ridiculous dumb commercial I've ever seen where a guy is driving a truck and then he lets go of the steering wheel and it starts self-driving and he goes, cause that's what we've been missing. That's what we're like, I am not driving another day so I can play patty cake while I drive. It's the dumbest commercial I've ever seen. It's stupid, it's stupid. Who does that? Who does that? Courtney laughs every time that thing comes up because I'm just like, like you can see steam rise from my head. Where am I at? So there's an increase in travel. And so I just think that that's interesting to see with the technology we see. And then he also says that the end is close when knowledge will increase. And so I'm just gonna tell you, I went down a rabbit hole with this one uh, and, and just with what I'm about to share, I don't regret one bit of it, one minute of it, but I'm telling you, if you don't have a bunch of days to do this, don't do it because you will wake up and it'll be like three days later, okay? So I found some stuff, it's fascinating. Fascinating. So I found this uh, from the Global Journal of Human Social Science from 2019, okay? And here's what it said. Listen to this with the increase in knowledge. That in 1900, human knowledge doubled approximately every 100 years. So every 100 years, uh, knowledge doubled. Then by the end of 1945, it was every 25 years. So then every 25 years, knowledge was doubling. And then in the 2010s, knowledge was doubling every 24 months. And so then there's this knowledge increasing. And then I was jumping, I don't know how I got to this article, but I found this article that was AI in the 21st century. And here's what it says. It says, taking into consideration speed and accuracy of artificial intelligence on multitasking operation, doubling knowledge will occur less than 12 hours per day. So now we're going to knowledge doubling twice a day from hundred years to twice a day. Don't get me started on this AI thing. Like, I don't even want to think about it. it. Scares the heck out of me. Like I'm telling you right now, like I don't want to even get into it. Uh, don't tell me that my phone's not already trying to find out stuff uh, to enact a global robot domination. You know what I'm saying? Like, I don't, cause here's the thing. Like it's, uh, I found it funny. I find it funny that all of a sudden there are ads on my phone about aspirin right after I talked to Courtney about being sore after hanging up the lights, everybody. You know what I'm saying? I just find that it's not a winky dink and so i'm freaked out a little bit about that okay so so i'm just saying all right so there's an increase in technology there's an increase in travel increase in knowledge there's one more place i want to go to and look at in this one and this is i, I wish i had time and i think i do i don't know if i do okay so if you look in the book of revelation okay there is one specific detail in here that is mentioned where for real we are the first generation ever with making this possible with what you're going to see in revelation 11 so in revelation 11 uh this is during the tribulation during all the stuff that's going down what it says is there are these two witnesses that come down 
all right? And they have these godly abilities, these supernatural abilities, and they evangelize about Jesus, okay? And so we're gonna read what happens really quick in Revelation eleven seven. 7. Here's what it says. It says, so when they complete their testimony, the beast that comes up out of the bottomless pit will declare war against them and he will conquer them and kill them. And listen to this, and their bodies will lie in the main street of Jerusalem. And in verse nine, it says, and for three and a half days, listen, all peoples, tribes, languages, and nations will stare at their bodies, that they will all stare at their bodies. Now listen, there was never a time before ours where the whole world at the same time could do that. But with technology, it's possible. It wasn't possible when John was writing that. It wasn't po it's possible today with, with satellite technology that that actually can happen. It just, I'm just, it, just, it just puts us in a unique time. That's all I'm saying, that we're in a unique time with what was written 2,000 years ago. Crazy stuff. So with the technological, technological advances we're seeing at the rate by which it's moving, it's crazy. It's just, it's crazy, okay? Uh, and then here's the last one. Here's the last one. And it's a great one. That, that the end days, there's another group of signs and assistance. There will be a great spiritual revival. Come on, somebody. Like, I think when we talk about this stuff, I think we kind of get real bogged down on all this negative stuff and all the stuff that's gonna be bad. And, and listen, man, it, the bad is gonna get worse, but I'm here to tell you the good's gonna get better. Come on, somebody. It's gonna get better. And the, 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 there's gonna be a revival in the nations. There's gonna be people that come to know Jesus. That's what it tells us, okay? Uh, and so let's go back to Matthew 24 and, and finish up what Jesus says because here's what he says, because he says, yes, there is an increase in wickedness, you know, the, but the love, then the love of most will grow cold, but the one who stands firm to the end will be saved. And here's what he says, and this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in the whole world as a testimony to all nations, and then the end will come. And so Jesus is saying, I'm not gonna come back until all the nations hear the gospel. And you know what, I'm, what I thought when I wrote this, like 50 years ago, that would have been a crazy thing. Like 50 years ago, that, that was a crazy concept. Like how's the whole world gonna be able to hear the gospel? But with technology today and access being what it is today, I'm gonna tell you right now, just today where we at, there is a rapid increase of the gospel spreading around the world. I don't know if you knew that. If you look at Africa and if you look at places in South America, it is rapidly growing how people are hearing about Jesus. It's amazing what's happening today versus just 50 years ago with unreached people groups. It's unbelievable in the world. And I was actually reading the other day, this is the last wormhole that I went down uh, on statistics on Christian conversions. And listen to this. More people have come to faith in Jesus in the last 50 years than the previous 1900 years. Think about that. It's amazing to me. And, and so then, and, and how about this one? As of September 2023, all the Bible has been translated in 736 languages. That's where we're at right now. The New Testament, just the New Testament, is translated in 1,658 languages, according to Wycliffe Global Alliance. That's pretty good. That's a lot, right? Anyone want to take a stab at how many languages are in the world? 7,100. There's 7,100 unique languages in the world. And I'm like, oh man, that's a daunting task. But, but, in an article I was reading on the Bible and AI, here's what it said. It said, with artificial help, the Bible can be translated into all languages by 2033. By 2033, all those can be covered by it. So I might take, my, take back my fear of AI a little bit. As long as, we, as long as we get the Bible translated before my toaster has mind control, I'll be okay with it, all right? Like, I'll, I'll, I'm good with AI, okay? Uh, you know, I'm, but anyways, but what didn't seem possible 50 years ago, it's possible today. It's, I'm just saying. So, so all of this to say, all of this to say, 
I don't know how close we are. I don't know how close we are, but we need to be aware. I think there's validity in being aware. If we don't go overboard with this, we don't go overboard with it, we, do, we don't allow it to be something that God doesn't want it to be, but we stay alert. Listen to me, we stay alert. We see that God is moving, yes, and we see that he is in control, amen, and yes to that, that, that he knows what he's doing, and we can see some of these things that are progressing towards what Jesus is saying in the beginning of the birth pains. And so, so now here's what I'm gonna talk. What do we do with this? Like, what do we do? It's great that we got all this information. What do we do with this? Okay, so if you're in your Bibles, uh, jump to the book of 1 Peter, okay? We're gonna go to 1 Peter chapter four to find out what do we do. And I love this verse. Uh, it's pretty direct. Uh, so we're gonna be at 1 Peter uh, verse seven. This is great because here's what he starts out by saying. He goes, hey, everybody, the end of the world is coming soon. So here's what he says. Therefore, here's what we do. Be earnest and disciplined in your prayers. Most important of all, continue to show deep love for each other for love covers a multitude of sins. Cheerfully share your home with those who need a meal or a place to stay. And God has given each of you a gift from his great variety of spiritual gifts. Use them well to serve one another. So, so here's the first thing that we do with the end of the world coming close and coming near. If you're taking notes, write this down, is that we continue to be the church. Isn't that a great directive? That we do, so this is what we do with it. Peter says, here's the best thing you can do. Have a focused prayer life. Love people really well and use your gifts to serve God and serve the church. In other words, do church. I love that. I love, that's what we're doing today. We're just doing church. That with all these things that we're covering and talking about and that will come to be, here's what I wanna tell you. This should not cause any change in who we're called to be and what we're called to do and what we're supposed to do as a church. You know what I'm saying? I just find that really comforting and I find that directive like doable. Like we can do that. Uh, I think, because I think with the end of the world, and with the signs and the prophecies, I think we can get really mesmerized by it. Like I've heard time and time again, when are we gonna talk about that? When are we gonna talk about the end of the world? When are we gonna talk about, hey, I wanna talk about that? When are we gonna do that? And, and I just think, I think if we're not careful, we can actually get kind of paralyzed by prophecies and, and end up losing the purpose behind all of it altogether. In fact, uh, it's happened before. Uh, actually in the book of Acts, this, I love this verse Chad and I were talking about. It. He, he uh, uh, brought it to my attention. I thought it was great. So in Acts 1, uh, this happened to the guys and gals because Jesus, this is after the resurrection, he ascended into heaven. And, and look at what happened in Acts 1. It says this, as after he said this, he was taken up before their very eyes and a cloud hid him from their sight. Okay, now listen to what happens. They were looking intently up into the sky as he was going. And then when suddenly two men dressed in white stood beside them and here's what they say they said men of Galilee why do you stand here looking into the sky this same Jesus who has been taken from you into heaven will come back the same way you have seen him go into heaven so I love this because I can just picture everybody just standing there like Like just doing that, right? And I can picture God going, oh man, I broke them. Like, ah, ah, they're glitched, they're glitched. And so he says, get down there, go like, shake them up or something like that. And the angels had to go down there. But we can do that with this stuff as well. That's what I'm trying to tell you. We, we could do that, okay? We could get paralyzed by prophecy or we could get stuck staring at information and not doing what Jesus really tells us to do. And listen to me, there's a time and there's a place for talking about this stuff, but the goal is never knowledge, everybody, right? The goal is getting our marching orders from Jesus and going out there and doing church into the world. So go love people. 
right? Go serve the mission of the church. Help us with Foster West Virginia. Put your faith in action. That's what the first thing we do. Do church, do church. Here's the second thing that we need to do. And we really need to help each other on this one. Okay, we really, really need to help each other. And it's just that we gotta follow God and not culture. That we gotta follow God and not culture. And so, so Peter continues this thought on the end times in his second letter. And so if you go to 2 Peter 3, here's what he says uh, in verse 11 with this one. He says, okay, listen, since everything will be destroyed in this way, what kind of people ought we to be? Here's who we're supposed to be, that you need to live holy and godly lives. No matter what the culture is doing around you, follow God and not culture as you look forward to the day of God and speed its coming. So Peter says, as the end comes, you need to live holy and godly lives. And so, so here's the deal and then we'll be done. Here's the deal. You're gonna need to make a choice. And it's, it's, it's gonna be harder then than it even is today. And I think today you need to make a choice. I think culture is in too much conflict already with God and his order and his ways. And you need to make a choice in this culture that is decaying around you that, that, that in a time, listen to me, where purity and holiness is downgraded. Tell me that's not happening right now. Where morality is decaying right now in humanity. The, and here's the thing, the world is going to expect the church to embrace that. And I'm here to tell you, we will not at Riverish Church embrace that. We will not, we will stand on God's truth. We will stand on the word. We will keep that held high and lift high the word of God as truth. And, but the choice is gonna be yours as well. Here's the choice you need to make. Will you either stand firm on God and his word or will you stand in divergence from God and his word? And here's the biggest challenge we have as believers in this. This is the biggest challenge that I think we have. How do we stand firm and love well at the same time? That's the challenge. That's the key to this whole thing, everybody. How do we stand firm on what God says about life and marriage and sexuality and lordship of Christ and gender and Jesus is the only way and forgiveness and all of that stuff? Because I just want you to know, we will stand firm on that in here. We, we will not deviate from what God's word has to say about this. But here's what I'm also gonna tell you. We will not do it in a way that doesn't put it, that puts us in conflict with how God tells us to love people always. Who people? All people. We love all people always. That we can stand firm on God's truth without being mean without being arrogant, come on somebody, without being hate-filled or bigoted or prideful or angry or unkind or nasty. That is not God's call on us. That is not who he told us to be his church because here's what he told, we just said, we deploy God's gifts out into the world with his truth. And last time I looked, God did not give you a gift of arrogance. Did he? He didn't give us gifts of pride or cruelty. He just doesn't. And so that's not how we stand firm. And I need some of you to come with me on this. I need some of you to hear me on this with your posts and your likes on social media. Come on, everybody. Like, how are you not deviating? I just want you to challenge yourself in this on how you stand for it. I need some of you to hear me on how you're treating people with the gospel of Jesus Christ who aren't changed by the gospel yet, by the way. So I don't know why you expect them to be like you all of a sudden. I just wanna challenge you to think about this, how you treat people. And here's what I just wanna ask you, with how you're treating people, with how you're loving them, just ask this, is what I'm doing, uh, is that gonna win them to Christ or, or am I a part of the reason why they think the church doesn't love them? I just wanna push you a little bit. I wanna challenge you with what we read, not what I am saying, what we read the Bible set, tells us to do because man, I just, I just wanna point people to Jesus because I know what he did for me. 
And I'm gonna tell you, I knew where I was before. And if you saw me the day I was before I met Jesus, some of that stuff will come into play for some people. And I'm just like, no, I'm not having that. I'm not having that. I would never have been one to Christ. And so we just gotta be challenged in this, okay? I just want people to know Jesus like I've come to know him. And I'm praying and hoping that for you as well. So we, so we, we serve, we give all we got. We love well. We love really well with the truth that we have. And we do that as much. And I think that's encouraging. Come on, that's doable, everybody. That's so doable. Are we living in the last days? I don't know, but I'll tell you this. You're living in your last days. And so am I. And what we do with these days that we have are so critical. So critical to your life with Christ and the influence you have with people around you. Because God doesn't want you full of knowledge. He wants you full of love too. Do you hear me? God, God doesn't want you to just be scared. He wants you to be prepared with the truth that he has. And I think God has some clear marching orders for us that I hope are clear today and for the church. And so I just wanna put forward that we follow that instead of anything else. Amen, everybody? All right, let me pray for us. I think we got through that pretty good. Oh, and then when we're done praying, I have an announcement, so don't leave, okay. God, I just, I pray today that this helped us get closer, that we got from here to there with what you have to say and the marching orders that we have when it comes to the end of the world, Lord, that we don't, we don't panic. We don't panic. We know you're in control. And God, I pray today that we just see clearly the marching orders that you put in front of us, that, that we see these signs, that we see some of these things coming to be, and, and that we just walk forward in love, grace, and understand that you've got this. So you, you just want people to change more and more to Christ. In fact, you won't come back, Jesus, until all nations here. So I just wanna be a part of that. And I pray over our church to be a part of that as well. Challenge us, God. I pray we step into these challenges with some of these things that we need to think about on what are we projecting out into the world with these things? Well, how are we loving with the truth that we have? How are we standing firm in what we will never ever deviate from, which is your truth? of purity, holiness, walking towards you and not going away from you. I pray that we could just get better and better at loving people